What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Ball Status. All right, play the new intro. Play the new intro? Yeah, we got to get that new intro. Oh, heck yeah. Is that the new boss? Is that the new boss status intro? What's she doing? I'm trying I don't to know what out. buttons you're pushing. My in. mic is. Uh, is this check, sound check. good? You sound, yeah. check, you check. sound great, Pat. I don't sound. Of course, you like we're not that loud. Head from, no, 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 no. from uh, altitude. Check, 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 well, check, I didn't check, even check. finish the intro. Welcome to another episode of Boss Status. That's the podcast where we talk about the business of health and the health of business. I'm Doug Miller, Patrick May, Brian Burgess. What's up? We are back. So. We've been pretty darn good about dropping podcasts every week. Dropping them. Dropping them every week. But be honest with you, we kind of front-loaded a little there. We've, it's been a busy month because we haven't filmed in a while, so we might be a little rusty here. Scheduling's been tough. But this is, I think we did a good job getting through the rough patch Yeah, and still sp- having content out. Yeah. So it is Monday, July 10th, and Aaron is going to have this up by Wednesday. July 12th. <laughs> He's like, you see my checklist? You should see him eating that quick lean cuisine over there. He I just dropped fly. something. Just, I look good. Something just dropped out of his mouth. So Wednesday the 12th. Can we make that happen? Can our, can our boy turn it around? All right. Well, so today we're going to uh, shoot at the hip a little bit here. One of my, you guys know, talk about Jim Collins all the time. Well, we got to get into our energy drinks too, but let's just set the stage here. Um, we talk about Jim Collins all the time, and we do use his books a lot in what we do here. They have a, he's got a great book. It's called How the, Mighty, How the Mighty Fall, and it talks about uh, these, these, these great companies that, uh, for one reason or another, started doing things that made them fall and fail, essentially. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today and some things that we can learn and some things that we can observe in our industry and, you know, maybe in the... Um, in church, local churches, you might probably see it's the same thing, whether it's a business or church. Um, so we'll get into those. And, uh, I know Pat's got a good story talking about how the mighty fall (laughs) that we can definitely get into. Uh, but before we get there, so today we're not sponsored by anyone today. So we're kind of low. Well, actually, no, I mean, well, 3d did send these. Yeah, yeah. So technically, they're sponsored. sponsored by okay. This yeah. one was purchased out of the Crusher Coliseum next door. This is a ghost orange cream, which is a really good flavor. It is a very good flavor. Drink I never, out, I don't know if out I'm, west. Brian was hitting me up like, what? There's no boom here. What What energy drink should I Oh, I, I was panicking. I so was he'd panicking. like send me a picture. He'd circle or like he'd like, I'd be like top row, three in from the left. So the, the monster and the ghost were usually the go-to. Yeah. Did you do any of the monster? No, I didn't. I yep. was, no, but the ghost was amazing. So I did ghost... Uh, <laughs> Orange cream and then the bubble gum. That was yeah, really I can't. Good. They're good. Uh, they're, they're but I'm good. gonna tell you, outside of booms, my go-to right now is that LFG uh, by Bucked Up. And you just like getting sweaty. I love getting sweaty, but I, I'm not drinking one today because I, our last part of our out west trip was 11 days. So you just got off a plane, essentially. Essentially, yeah. I got altitude sickness like I've never had it before. We waited to go to the Rocky Mountain National Forest. It was 43 degrees. Everywhere else had been 100 degrees. And so I did not drink enough water. And we had to cancel our plane tickets, rearrange those. keep the Because t- you were sick. Because I was so sick, I couldn't get out of bed. Like, every time I got out of bed, like, I physically got sick. And it was insane. Like, it was just a spin cycle. So I still have a little bit of a woozy head today. I'm pounding water like never before. And 
So, yeah, hopefully ready to shake this mess. All right, so let's talk about How the Mighty Fall. So <clears throat> this book, um, what we're going to do is we're going to go through, um, if I can remember my password, basically the five stages of uh, what companies go through as they fall. So stage one, and uh, this is all relevant because these are things that we need to think about as as our businesses, uh, that's, you know, core, the nutrition corners, America Labs, Arms Race Nutrition, the gyms. Um, exciting news there. We did find location number two. It's going to happen I in Virginia. I saw that. I didn't have a chance yeah. to text in. Yep. So get ready to help us lay some floor oh, in Virginia. It's I am floor be, master. <laughs> floor master. <laughs> I am the floor man. Um, so we got that coming up. And actually, we have two locations in Virginia that might happen within the very near future. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, so as we grow, right, like we need to think about this. And I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So like if there's a good opportunity, I feel like, you know, we need to jump on it. But that's not always the best thing because it kind of, it could pull you from your core values. So we talk about our core values and how we always go back and lean on them. And I think that's a really important point is sticking with your core values. And that's how we make a lot of decisions in the biz, in our businesses. Are we following our core values? If we are, let's go for it. If not, we don't. But sometimes, you know, you can get caught up in your own success and it can drive you to do things that you shouldn't do. So like, how do you identify those things and how do you make decisions to basically not go overboard and to pump the brakes on growth? which is hard to do. Oh, especially when you're just driven as a person. You know, we, we, we've talked about this before. It's not an issue of having an ego. It's when you forget you got one. And every one of us at this table has an ego. I mean, every one of us. It, it, it's just like the days that we work out. You know, uh, it's so funny. Like if Doug gets 17, I'm, I'm nearly, you know, <laughs> busting a capillary to get 18 or 19. Uh, or you know, the switch up of, of how we do things. It's just push, push, push. And iron does sharpen iron. But the day that you, that we forget that you have an ego are the days that you're like, you know what, dang it, I deserve, you know what, I'm the last guy they ought to be saying that to. Or, you know, I'm sick and tired of having to reintroduce myself to this company. Or, you know, or heck, yeah, I'm going to do this. I don't care if they like it or not. Those are some big red flags to say, uh-oh. But see, the problem is, is that you get so blinded in your ego, you don't realize you're making those. You just, you know, you have a tendency to isolate yourself. And I always say this, you know, whenever, whenever you can get isolated in your thinking, that's the easiest way for you to get annihilated. And when you start thinking, you know what, I do everything for everybody. That's all they ever asked for is a raise or they pity panty party. They weren't there with me in the beginning when I was struggling and I was the nervous one. They go home every night. They're not worried about the overhead. They're not worried about this, which is not really true because these guys, especially the crew that we have working for us and the crew that I have working for us, they're worried about it because they realize, guess what? I'm, I'm getting to write my own paycheck here for, for yep. you know, for yep. in, in, many intents and purposes. But you ever get locked down and you're thinking like that, you better have somebody really close that can, excuse me, grab you by the gonads or by the nap of the neck and say, what are you doing? You are changing. You're saying things I've never heard you say. This is uncharacteristic to you. Well, so that, that that's perfect because stage one of this, right, is, is basically essentially that. It is hubris from success. Right? Yeah. So uh, I'll read a quick summary here. Hubris refers to excessive pride or arrogance. Stage one starts when people become overconfident and forget their true foundations of their success. 
this is going back to your kind of your flywheel and your in your core values and all that right. people start to take success for granted lose the hunger for learning get distracted by non-core areas and confuse their why and their what right so this is i see this a lot in our industry i think right there's 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 a lot of great entrepreneurs that are running super successful businesses and i see it a lot in brands that um, are driven a lot by an influencer, mm. right? Because, you know, and brands that explode for really no explainable reason, they are those, those brands that catch lightning in a bottle, right? And so whether it's, you know, Bang Energy five years ago, right? Or uh, I don't want to name all these. I can name that one because they just got purchased by Monster and they're pretty much out of commission. But um, I mean, that's a perfect example. I mean, the CEO of, of it was a very, you know, uh, hubris. hubris, having hubris was definitely one of his traits, right? Um, and so, you know, w whether it's these brands that just pop up uh, and then catch lightning in a bottle or they're driven by an influencer who is the hottest thing at that time, they can cause sales to go, you know, seven figures, eight figures, in some cases, even nine figure brands in the, in the fitness world pop out of nowhere. Right. And it's not just, um, it's not just the, the CEOs, but it's also some of the leaders of those companies that I feel like their pride and arrogance takes over. And I see it in this industry and I want to be careful what I say. And I want to be respectful of what I say, because we do business and have good relationships with a lot of the brands, but I do see it. And what happens is, is they, they start getting outside of, they might have good products and they might have a great brand in terms of the culture that they're building or whatnot. But then they just, it, it's kind of like this arrogance of, they feel that anything they do is going to be successful. And so they start throwing money at all these different areas. I see it a lot in um, I see it a lot in energy drinks these days, actually, because you have these great supplement brands, right, that uh, are phenomenal brands. But just because they're doing great doesn't mean that immediately because other somebody else might have an energy drink that you should do an energy drink, yeah, right. And that is kind of um, I feel like a lot of that is hubris, like. Listen, if they can do it, it then we, we should do it too, right? Like, because we got a great brand. And I think people start taking shots at things that might be outside their core values without fully analyzing the financials and whether it does align, you know, with their overall mission, right? And so um, the, the supplement space, I see it a lot. And I see these brands popping up and growing super fast. And, and sometimes they can sustain it. But I feel like when you start seeing them enter into realms that are so outside their norm, um, then it's kind of like, is it, is, it, is, it, uh, is it greed? Because they feel like they got this hot brand and they need to capitalize on everything. Is it greed that they feel like they need to have a product in every category? Um, even though they know nothing about that category. I think it's, um, you know, your pride blinds you to uh, the hot, what I'm just going to call is the hot spot. So, like, think about it this way. I don't know if this guy has happened to you, and we all travel enough. So, while we were on the road, uh, you know, I, I would look for a hotspot. And so, my phone immediately finds everyone that's available to me. And uh, some are open, some are, some are locked. And so, I think 
it, it's the flight to the hot spot. Well, we're hot here, and we've got revenue coming in. So why not try to be hot here, here, and here? Right. Which is, you know, really an undisciplined pursuit for more, which is our second thing. I was going to say that ties in perfectly to the second thing. Which right. Is, so I guess it's, it's how do you, so, because you can't fault for the hotness, right? Like, I know. If you, if it's you hard. Some of the hot, you got, you're, you're, you're rolling, right? Like, yeah. so where, so it's, is it the second step to, to not continue down this path of falling, right? Like, because this is where this is kind of going, right? But like you, do you have to? Yeah, it's going back to your core values. There's well, discipline. Yeah. Well, let me, let me read this and let me get back. Let me answer that question. So, stage two is the undisciplined pursuit of more. The arrogance from stage one leads the company to overstretch, jumping into areas where it can't be great. I think that's key, where they can't be great, or pursuing growth without the right people or resources. They become obsessed with growth to the point of losing focus and discipline, and make the fatal error of growing faster than they can get the right people, and don't put the right successors in place. So. So let's make up an example. So what, I, what, what I'm thinking here is this is when you're trying to, you're growing, right? And let's say you have great, a great pre-workout. You got to get great protein, right? They're kind of in the so, same space. So Doug Miller is the hottest commodity. Yeah. You are the hottest influencer <laughs> on the market right now, right? You do supplementation. Our, our I, don't, I don't know which are. Give me two claps in a Rick Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, there you That's go. That's right. There we go. So you do supplementation very well. Right. And you and in and, and success. I mean money's just flowing in, right? Yeah. But you love cigars. Oh. Yeah. So you oh Here we go. I, if I'm if I come up with a cigar company Patrick, this is a terrible <laughs> example. Don't go down. I know, the but it's just <laughs> yeah, one yeah. that it's first one that came to my mind. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly good. That's where good. we're going. But then everybody just wants to drink my Kool-Aid, so they're gonna smoke my cigars. So you come out with a cigar company. But it's 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 a kind of doesn't follow and fall in line with those those determined, well, so let's, predetermined principles. Right. Like, so so let's go think about it where you should pursue. It's where your, your passions align, right? Where you can make money and where you can be best in the world, right? That is really your spiritual gifts or your hedgehog concept. You need to have those three things. Same again. It's um, where you can be the best in the world, where you can make money and where you're passionate, right? So if like, listen, you might be passionate about basketball, but like, but you ain't the best in the world. <laughs> but if you're five, nine, you know, like it's probably better, not worth going all in on that. Right. Some bu Muggsy Bogues. Uh, right. Genetics. So, you know, it's just, and you, you have to be able to make money there. So in order to make money and to be really good at it, you have to have a great product. Right. And so what I see happening is very large. And this is why I'm so picky about bringing products to market outside. Like, listen, we have a very creative staff here. Like, if I brought to market every idea that came through this door, we would be out of business. Broke. We'd be broke and out of business. And because that's the realization of, unless the product is a winner, and I mean, not just by our own, drinking our own Kool-Aid and our own standards here, but you put it up an honest look against the entire market. Is this product a winner? That That, that is just... That's like, can you make money at it? If you're not even there, you can be super passionate about it. But if you don't think you can make money at it, like you don't think you have a winner, then you shouldn't be doing it. And so like, we've had a ton of opportunities. So, you know, we brought the balls out many years ago, now three years ago. And that was a failure for us because we didn't realize they would go bad in like a couple months, right? Yeah. And we've really wanted to do a functional food for core, but, and we've had many opportunity, but I have not, we have not run into that product or nailed the formula where I feel like this is, this is a, a something new and innovative to the market where we can make money and it's really good. We're not there yet. 
we might be right on the verge, but you know, we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why it took us however long to bring out the foundation bar. Like we feel like that is really one of the best bars on the market and it's very unique. Right. And so, but what I see sometimes is these companies jumping into the area of let's say functional foods or energy drinks, which is a little bit, it's, it's not the same. They think it's the same market, but we've talked about this before. It is not, you need a completely different. I was just talking to a consultant about the energy drink space and the supplement space and how the the game is completely different. The margins are different. um, The scaling is different. The distribution is completely different, right? So, just because you sell them in the specialty space as well doesn't mean that you should do them. Yeah. And just because you might even have a $100 million supplement brand doesn't mean you should come out with a protein bar to come out with a protein bar because everyone's doing a, a peanut butter-based protein bar. I think that's the key is, like you said, a protein bar to come out with a protein bar. Right, because you like, feel like you need to. Because, because you feel like you need to. But you miss the steps of, you know, of building it out for the – for the brand, because it could be, it would and could be successful if you do it, well, if you, you give it the time. I feel like also the the lack of patience is probably a reason why. Rushing it to market. Yeah. So like, I think a good example, and I can talk about this because we know that it was like kind of a failure. I think Redcon was on, I mean, they still are. Now, now that Aaron's out of jail and he's back, take, you know, leading the charge here, I feel like Redcon's going to start growing again. But they went from zero to like 100, multi hundred million plus company in a year in three years like i mean it's incredible what they've done but remember they had their they had their uh they still have the mre bars which are good right but they thought well shoot that bar is good let's come out with another bar and they brought out the bar which was breakfast at the ready it was supposed to be a crispy type bar right similar to the foundation but i feel like i mean no offense i mean they'll admit that that bar was a failure because as soon as they ran it they didn't test it. They, you know, it was like it became a complete brick and it was awful. It was a terrible fail. And it happens a lot. And it happens a lot. And listen, this is not to say, I mean, we make mistakes all the time and we bring out products that yeah, happen to our balls. Our balls. And honestly, let's be honest, like we, we made great energy drinks, but we weren't ready to, it, it's a different game. Yeah. We, we, I will admit that we failed there. Like we did. Now we learned a lot and we, you know, didn't fail big, but like, you know, like we're not doing them anymore. Yeah. Right. So I think the BAR would be a perfect example because you're killing it with this bar. Let's do another bar. It's a slightly different market. Let's gain more. Let's get more sales right through this. But it wasn't thought out and it wasn't in a great product. So you start getting into these areas where you can't be the best in the world. Oh, yeah. Or and you haven't put in the time to become the best in the world. So people rush things to market because they feel their brand is strong. And it's a slippery slope. It's it's it is it is a it is it goes back to discipline because how do you tell a super driven entrepreneur? to slow down. I haven't figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've discovered it. Two things. You got to risk the friendship and you got to show them numbers. I I live by a principle and and it's this uh, liars figure, but figures never lie. Say it again. Liars figure, but figures never lie. And, um, and that's why it's so important, especially if you're running a business that your P and L statement is done within the first week of the end of the month. So you can know yep. real quickly how fast you are losing money or you're making money. And this is and where and where where it's coming, where you're and, losing and, it, yeah. and, and where it's going uh, real quick. Now, to have an entrepreneur mindset, you got to understand that there are certain things that cost you money for growth, but they still have to be governed by your core principles. Or 
hey, this is a test case. We're gonna, I'm gonna give this five months. I'm gonna, we're gonna do a hundred. We're gonna, I'm gonna subconsciously have a hundred thousand dollars in my head that it's gonna take us to do this or whatever it is. Um, and then you're always watching that so that uh, you you can scale it. So, um, case in point, whereas like here. Um, I, I, there are times I'm willing to risk my friendship with Doug to say, are you sure that's a good idea? <laughs> like, dude, that's a, you, you, you know, but then you gotta, I know how he activates you, you and I think by numbers and, and you get my attention by numbers, uh, or by gifted people. And, and sometimes that's hard to do. We were laughing about the floor, but when we put the floor in the new part of the gym, it, the reason it was taking so long is everybody was afraid to to to. Uh, uh, I felt I wasn't even involved, and apparently I was the bottleneck. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So we're there like at one a.m. in the morning, and everybody's afraid. Is this how Doug wants it? And I was like, Look, I don't work for Doug. I'm saving him a pile of money and putting this floor down. If he doesn't like it, he can kiss my big white hind end, and we're gonna put this floor down. And what once we broke the fear mold. Then the creativity of Tyler came out, and Tyler had the best idea there was. We should have started with that idea, but it was just, oh, you know, it was just yeah. the gap of all that. So that that's a struggle. Uh, the other thing is, is that I think when you have a, a team that is disciplined, is everybody take the hit. Everybody own it. And that's tough when you got mouths to feed because you're like, dang, if this is my third hit and I'm owning this hit, like my boss could look at me and go, you know what, maybe you're at a different place. You know, maybe this isn't for you anymore. So many people are. But people do that on all levels, guys. Like I ran a recycling facility, and I can tell you one of the things that used to make me horribly upset was I, I bought brooms every week, and people would break them. And then just put, like, the handle here and the broom somewhere else in the facility. And if they would have just brought the broom to me and said, boss, these brooms are trash, don't ever buy them again, I would have probably bought them lunch. But the fact that they were so childish to put one broom, the broom handle over here and, and the, the broom head somewhere else as though the two, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a coupled event, used to drive me nuts. And it... And, 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 and because of that drove me nuts, I spent more time on why can't you see the importance of this rather than, yeah, that broom sucked. We probably needed to buy a different kind or, or yeah. establish our own. I mean, I think this is this stage, the stage two, the undisciplined pursuit of more, I think is probably the hardest stage. Um, I'd like to think that our, at least introspectively here, like I'd like to think that we don't have a ton of, we have an ego, but we recognize our ego, right? right? Like we don't have this overarching pride or arrogance but, and think our stuff doesn't it stink. But I think the undisciplined pursuit of more is something that we have here in, in crush it world need to be cognizant of a lot because yeah. because Just, I'm so ready to go, oh go, yeah. right? Like, it's like, a, it's like a, if you've ever run into a cobweb, you know, you, you think, oh, well, we're already in the supplement industry, so... We could do a drink, or we could do this, or we could do that. And and that's the push. Do we keep the brands that we have, and do we get better at those, like the best in the world, or do we branch out and have more? Correct. So that the, you know, it's kind of like the collect the gold touch. You know, it's like, it's like uh, this is the gravy. This is our yep. bread and butter. But if we get any from this, this is, this is gravy. The I think, yeah, I think that's a great point because that – 
that is what we deal with. That's what we've been dealing with here, I would say, for the last year a lot. We've had a ton of opportunity because of our uh, recent success. We've had a lot of opportunities to actually start more brands. And we've turned down a handful of brands to, to start and basically become partners in those brands and run those brands. And it's going to take and and it's going to take a special opportunity to come on board where we really feel like we can do something special and make a difference and be the best in the world in a certain niche for us to do another brand, right? Like we have the capability. We, we could have started up three brands in the last year, right? right? Like Yeah, but in, in a lot of those opportunities, right, there's a... Disconnecting core values. Well, and there's a partnership involved usually, yes. right? So it's uh, um, the synergy that needs to be done because we, we can do you know, we could build the brand on our end, but we are also going to need the, the support and the push from, from, from the, the partnership as well. Right. And so, yeah, uh, the center, the synergy just hasn't worked out. And, um, well, and, and I think one, one of the reasons why, uh, the other reason why I think I feel like we're at this stage two of the undisciplined pursuit of more is a difficult stage because we are so driven, but I feel like and this is what might be what has held us back. Like I haven't scaled to a nine figure company, right? We're not there, you know, maybe one day. And I don't, it's not about the money. It's about the growth and the opportunity, right? But I think one of the reasons is a lot of times we are disciplined and we are less, we are risk averse in many cases of willing to lose money for a while to make it big. I just don't operate that way. And I know many companies operated a loss for many years to grow their top line. I am so not about growing yeah. my top line. I don't care about my top line. Like I don't, I'm not like, that doesn't mean anything to me because at the end of the day, for me, at least I'm not looking to sell these businesses. If you're looking to make an exit from the industry, sure. Growing your top line is going to be your number one pursuit, but I, I'm continue. I'm looking to grow a legacy here and throughout all of the things we're doing. And I think that has allowed us maybe indirectly to kind of temper our growth because I'm not willing to risk it all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I personally, when you just look at your top line <clears throat> instead of your bottom line, you're just kidding yourself. I mean, or, or like you said, Doug, you're not in it for the long haul. You know, it's just like uh, me and the situation I am as a pastor. If I just look at my best Sundays and I don't look at my worst Sundays, then then it's very clouded, and and I'm I'm not going to have the information that I need when it comes time to make the hard decisions because I'm, I'm I call it blue sky. You know, anytime you sell a company, you're you know what's the blue sky out there, and so uh, blue sky is dangerous because blue sky is only worth what the value you know the person that's wanting to purchase yeah. you at. Yeah. And and so I want boots on the ground, like what's in the bank, what can we generate from this, and so. You know, that is the tough thing is that if it's LinkedIn, you know, we, we would always say, um, you know, like in the church, you know, people at times they say, well, you need to be, uh, you need to home the homeless and, and you need to give food to the, to the hungry. And, and, and that's where I would say, sure, that's a part of us, but that's more of a line item. I'm not building a facility that I got to run a staff with because Jesus pretty much said, the poor you will always have with you. So I could take every ounce of money we have in the bank account at the church and I could write a, I could write a grocery bill and guess what? We'd be broke and people be hungry tomorrow. So the idea of an undisciplined pursuit for more 
is is dangerous, even if it has great value. It has a valor to it. It has camaraderie, some something of commendation to say, oh, Doug, you should do this, man. It would really put you guys up there. You know, and it would make a friend with these guys. Well, it may make a friend, but it could make me broke uh, <laughs> yeah. as well. And so that's that's the tough. Well, I think that's where you have to, you have to fall back on your core values and your hedgehog concept. Exactly. If it's outside of your why and your hedgehog concept, then you, you just. And if you recognize it quick, guys, pull the plug on it. Like yep. if you say, oh my gosh, I just, we are about to make the biggest decision. You cannot let pride, scripture says it real clear, pride comes before a fall. Yep. And wherever pride is, it, 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 it just unsettles you. It is an unseen jackhammer that is taking the stilts well, out. Well, let me give you a real good example that we're literally facing right now. So we, we're running out of space here. And we put a contract on all this land behind us here. There's about 16 acres. And we're in the process of going through the zoning and building out a, I mean, it's going to be amazing, right? It's a state-of-the-art new HQ because we want to turn this whole building into a fitness facility. Um, but, you know, part of it is like, we need to make sure we're doing it for the right reason and it's doing it at the right time, right? Like, so some people just like to, kind of show off their headquarters on Instagram, right? And like, we'll put a big fancy sign and show the big exact CEO office and all that to show just to kind of. That's never been our core values. Here. It, no, no, it hasn't. And, and we need to, when we, because this is such a big project and bigger than anything we ever did and more expensive than anything, we need to make sure one is, is this right? Right? Like we need more space for our growth. Is this the right next step or is there a baby step in between? And so, like, part of this process is budgeting it out. Like, okay, this is going to be an X million dollar project. Does this make sense right now with our growth, with everything that we have coming down the line? And that's a big decision we need to make. And it has to, you have to put your pride in, like, you, if we get to a point where the budget is just, like, ridiculous, like, we need to suck up the pride and be like, listen, we can't afford this right now. Yeah. Right? And so, like, that's an important decision that we need to make in the next 120 days. And that's super stressful because – it will set us up for the growth in the future, but then you're always backing on that growth and you're going to have a massive mortgage that you're going to be paying. Right. So, uh, <clears throat> so are we in stage three right now? Yeah. Well, well, we're just that we're, we're just we're wrapping up undisciplined right? pursuit of more. Right. And just, uh, uh, kind of how to keep that in check. Stage three is the denial of risk and peril. That's <clears throat> at this stage, the company is still delivering results, but there are growing signs of danger. Unfortunately, leaders view the data through colored lenses and neglect the threats. Leaders play up the positives, play down the negatives, read ambiguous data favorably, and attribute problems to external factors. Fanatical reorganization and deterioration of the team dynamics and culture are common. So this is the part where you start to feel like things are crumbling a little bit, but there's too much. You, you're you're only looking at the positives right. because that's what you want to believe. And so this was brought up to me, actually. Um, I think Sarah at the Dallas Nutrition Corner, she made, she shared one of our podcasts she was listening, listening to today, um, but she referenced the yes men culture. Yep. And so that, that's where I've, this is uh, a couple things have just led to that and that sentence where leaders in the company play up the positives, play down the negatives. So you, the culture has abandoned maybe some of the values that they have and turned into yes men, right? And so, like, that's where, like, uh, you falling on us, like, I mean, we were sitting having a conversation about it today, and one of my, you know, you know I'm one of the toughest ones and, and push you yep. the hardest because 
you said, I don't need yes men when I first started working here. And so I've been a no man from default <laughs> from day one. No man. But no man. It's no. But it's just like focusing on, okay, so what for, for this next, next HQ, we're debating on doing a retail section. But like that's just way down the future. And maybe it's a little bit risky to to keep that in mind. So what, what do we need to focus on right, that's right in front of us? And that's just what What's we, the most what, important thing about What we need, right? Yeah. Which is space, right? Um, so I think having that culture for the entrepreneur to lean on to where you don't have a bunch of just yes men that are just, you know, filling your ego with positives and yeah, See, we could do it. What you're looking at then is you're looking at, well, what's the most important need? The most important need is growth for this company. But because the space is there, you're always looking for the gravy on top. Right. What, yes. What's the what's and, the residual income? And does that and does that gravy make the the main stuffing le- like less valuable? So like in this situation is we're trying to put this massive building on this buildable land, but we have super valuable retail space in the front that we can either optimize the whole property and put our HQ, which will optimize what we need now, the main stuffing, or we can slide it off to the side and kind of not have quite optimal of what we need now, but think for the future of maybe doing the retail side or reselling or something like that. And that's the, that's kind of what we're, that's the decision. Yeah. yeah, It's just like, that's that's kind of what, that's kind of the conversation that we're at. And so you, you know, I'm the guy that always looks at the negative. I mean, we could be keeping uh, 48% of the money, and I'm still thinking, why? where did we miss 51%? You know, like, and I, I hate that I'm that way, but it drives me to never, ever look at the data like, oh, yeah, we're doing great. The problem is, is that it also doesn't allow me to, to celebrate the hard work. I'll celebrate my team because I know they did the hard work. Or I can pinpoint, hey, you need to tune this up great event but you need to shift this or blah 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 does yeah. that make sense well that, that's i mean pat, pat gets that that's the way we are here oh yeah great month record month all right guys this month this is <laughs> this yeah. is what we're doing right i just we got asked today we got any money coming in yeah what, so what said, do you got going I, on yeah we're, 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 i said this is gonna be a big week right i don't know we had a good june <laughs> yeah he's like i said well this is july buddy it's already july 10th what you got for me and you know the other thing is not having yes ma'am but having people with the company long enough that they know the to ride the waves you know it's, again i'll go back to what i do in the church you know people take vacations in 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 the summer and so more than any other time so some people only link giving to when they're in the physical doors of the church. Thankfully, we have online giving, and I teach a stewardship that, you know, is ongoing. It's a part of your spiritual disciplines. Yeah. But I'm, I can also go, oh, wow, last Sunday we only had 901 people, and there was only X amount of dollars given. So I'm like, I mean, the wrong person come into my office on Monday afternoon by about 1 o'clock, like, they may be, like, catching me on the side of my desk ready to jump, you know, jump yeah. off, like, ah, you know. So that's the tough part about always looking at the at the negative. It doesn't keep you from taking the risk. I think it just makes you wiser. And when you when you don't look, everything has a risk. And uh, this is my personal conviction because I believe God is in control. Calculated risk are to always be taken. You know, just recently I've talked to you about a business venture, and it is a very amazing calculated risk. The problem is the cash flow won't support it in that time in the time that I need it for it to be a calculated risk. So it's almost like now I got to back off and I got to rethink. Is yeah. Now we need to do cigars. 
Yeah. It all comes full circle. Yeah. Can, we be, <laughs> can we be the best in the world? Yes. Listen. I, I think so. I really think listen, so. We could we sell, listen, we could sell easily like like 14 cigars. Easily. Like we know, we know 14, 14 guys that will buy and a cigar buy every month. 25 yeah. from us, and, uh, and they'll just love it, and they'll, they'll It'll be amazing. Us. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> stage four, grasping for salvation. So at this phase, the decline becomes undeniable, but the organization's death is not yet imminent. Leaders' responses at this point determine if the organization sinks or swims. Those who panic and seek quick salvation, i.e. bringing in external savior or jumping into drastic, untested changes, will accelerate their fall to stage five. Revival is only possible with a return to fundamentals. The organization much, must re laboriously rebuild and reinforce the flywheel once again, one step at a time. So basically, this is like full on, you need to become very self-aware, slam on the brakes, swallow your pride, and turn the ship around and cut the fat quickly. Otherwise, y you are going to and see the, crash and burn. Yeah, and, and that's where pride is. I mean, that is the that's hard to do that like, to take that step. But I'll tell you what, I would say that that's where we made the step, not necessarily to turn around. But when I made the decision to cut America Energy, it was like a relief. It was like this. Just it sucked. I had to swallow my pride because that was our baby. Like we love that. We love that brand. And, and still it, it carried so much of the moxie of the inner core team. Yeah. Just of, you know, but I'll tell you are. what, we're so much better now. We are so much better and so much ready yeah. for like, you know, bottom the thing line is, is that you cut the right stuff. So think about it this way. Sometimes when people get into the, 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 the how did they describe this? Sorry. Slushy brain here. Um, the grasping for salvation, they cut the wrong stuff. Like, for instance, let's say we're not in a supplement company. Say we're in a donut company, right? And we have a retail store that we make donuts. The day we stop buying dough, we're, we're not a what? Not donut company. Exactly. So we may let our soft drinks go, and we may let the apple fritters go. But the day we stop making donuts is the day that we stop doing eating. Well, I think that's more when, like, if we would have doubled down and went way more in on the energy drinks, and then, you know, like, America Labs, the, the supplement brand, which is really tied to the energy drink, they're the sister companies, we're having our best year ever right now in 2023, and we have so many cool things planned, and our focus mentally and physically on that, we wouldn't be there if we would have cut this, if we would have cut the supplements to double down on exactly. the energy drinks, we would have been in the wrong space. But we started with the supplements. So and that's where and at the stay. same time, protein was going up, creatine okay. was going up, all these all these supplements, yep. you know, the base prices were going up. So if we doubled down and poured mo more money into this, this would have been a weaker brand to where we could have lost both instead yep. of just cutting ties with one. And that's, you know, whether it's your personal home, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a relationship – um, a ministry or business, you got to know to cut the right stuff. And just because some guy could, you can bring him in for $250,000 who did this at this company, you know, it, it may have just been a short bandwidth. That may not be your savior. And that's where those core, core concepts are huge. Well, it's funny. So like there's a lot of incest in our industry, meaning like, you know, you'll have some of the top guys go into different places 
and this is kind of related to hubris and what I was talking about is just because you captured lightning in a bottle at one point in time, whether it was through the association with an influencer or just a brand that happened to do some things right, it's just like that does not prove your track record. And you get these guys that are jumping from one place to another carrying this one win over here and thinking it means they're going to win over here when really they, you know, sometimes it is better to be lucky than good. Let's be honest. Like having a little luck is is good, but like if you can't bring that with you, right? Like, and I feel like a lot of people will be associated. I mean, how many people were associated with um, like the old C four, like Cellucor? Like, there's some OGs in that. That I mean, that was that was on a rocket ship with when DMAA was there, right? Like, they were going to be successful regardless of maybe the 30 people that were there at that time. But now everyone who has that on their resume will always fall back to that. But that doesn't mean they necessarily did anything great. So you have to be self-aware of... Well, nothing lasts forever. Yeah. There, there, well, except one thing, that's the word of God. <laughs> yeah. um, but you, you, as a leader, you have to keep reinventing yourself. I, I may have mentioned this in a podcast earlier, but I used to do these revivals for this guy. And... Uh, for over uh, 25 years, and uh, I noticed that he would never stay at a place more than three and a half years. And when I would say, How, why'd you move? He said, well, you know, I just kind of got tired. People got used to me, and I got used to them, and I just kind of got tired of their mess. And uh, one day I was getting ready to go speak, and I was down in the basement where the history room was, and it showed, like, this specific church, how many pastors they had had and for over 100 years. The longest one they'd ever had was seven years. And it was like one of those epiphany moments where it was just like two things happened. Number one, these people didn't want to change. And two, the leader couldn't reinvent himself. And when a leader can't reinvent themselves, that's a problem. Because yep. that means you're a one-trick pony or you only got a few um, – you only got a few little tricks. Exactly. Or like you said, you can only catch lightning in a bottle. And, and there was a lot of people that – well, catch it in the bottle once and can't do it again. But there is also those guys in our industry who are the OGs out there that everything they touch, you can tell is going in the right direction. Yep. And those are the, the OGs. And, and those are the ones you got to yep. learn from. And, yep. and I'm not saying pattern yourself after, but there are some transferable concepts. But then there are those uh, those personalities that are just truly, truly gifted yep. uh, to to know what to do and when to do it and yep. and their calculated risks seem to be very blessed. Yep. All right. So stage five, hold on my, my phone. Yeah, no, I can't remember. Uh, resignation to downfall. So the longer an institution stays in stage four and the more it's people try to find magic solutions, the faster it's downward decline. Eventually the financial resources dry up and people run out of steam. Collins calls this stage capitulation to irrelevance or death. At this point, there are usually two paths a company can take. They can give up and sell the company or keep going um, until it exhausts all its options. So, you know, there's, there's definitely some, there are some massive companies in our, in our space that have gone through, you know, certain, uh, that were massive at one point in time and now that are just dead. Um, and I wonder if we looked at those, like, did they follow these stages? Right. Like, and I wonder if you could go back and see, because obviously Collins does this in a study from, publicly traded companies, right? But like, it's interesting because in, a, in, a, in an industry where there is a lot of hubris and there is a lot of pride and there is a lot of toxic masculinity, right? Like, uh, <laughs> um, you know, 
you can see a lot of these stages and it, it takes a real leader to identify. And that's why I like this book so much. It wasn't, I was, I was a little hesitant to read it because it's like, well, the show, if I'm doing things right or wrong, well, right. And I was just like, I didn't want to be in one of these stages. Right. But like, it does open your eyes to recognize things and try to prevent from progressing through these stages. Yeah. So it's like the two big ones for me, was just like, uh, the hubris, you have to keep that ego in check. The undisciplined pursuit of more, I think that's my biggest struggle. struggle. Uh, and again, it's not more from a dollar sense. It's just my brain doesn't stop. And sometimes that that's good and that helps us get to a lot of unique places, but that can, that can stretch and overstretch. And sometimes we stretch too thin the places where we should be throwing more fuel on the fire. Right. And so like, that's the stage that kind of connected with me the, the most. Um, and then you have the people that deny the risk and peril. And then people that are just holding on and grasping right. for salvation by making just dumb decisions. And then just their unwillingness to hustle. You know, I think when we get into situations like this and I, I do want to hear Pat's story on the. Uh, uh, it's not quite the. It, it's, the it's, it's not, not how like the money how business how small businesses. Oh, so fail. so how I really yeah so that is how how small businesses fail, yeah. but that's a microcosm. It's a microcosm for how the money yeah. falls. That is a collect the gold. It's part of the collect the gold dust, like where yeah, that value yeah. came from. So I think as a leader, we have to look at our most trusted people and say, listen, here's I, I just said that like mammal. Listen, listen here. <laughs> um, Listen, this is how you address me in these moments. Here are the top three ways you can grab my attention. And, uh, and it be very, very uh, real. Uh, and, and you can pull me to the side, uh, but don't do DEFCOM 6 on me when it's really DEFCOM 2. So you're going to have to grow as a leader. So I think, I think in those moments to correct that, you're going to have to have a way to talk to a leader. And, you know, I watch you guys have those moments here. I watch how and, we... And at the same time, that leader needs to create an environment, and we've talked about this before, where it's okay to call the leader out, right? Like yes. they have... To, it's, I, I hate the word safe space, but like the leader has to create a safe space to receive feedback or it, it just... Nobody's ever going to give you feedback that you need to hear. Oh, yeah. Because let's say, for instance, you have a company and you have three guys. I've been on several boards. So I was on a board one time and there were three guys on it that were like, we need a retreat center. We need a retreat center. And the lead guy for the company or, or for the, the deal was like, we will never have one because that is not what our main interest is. And because I, I'm the oldie goldie, I knew... I knew that theme. I knew that timeline for us. And so I'd be the horse's patoot in every board meeting going, you guys are you're planning this, you're spending money with, with consultants, but we have said over and over, we will never do one of these. And I would list the reasons out. And, of course, the leader would come back and say, that's it, scrap it. And of course, three guys on the board would just hate my guts for the next year, but I'm that guy that just really doesn't care. Not because I want to be hated, but if this is what we say we're going to do, I'm not saying we can't budge, but but – there are specific reasons why we are the way we are. Yeah. And I, I think you, you really got to have those individuals, but you got to know how to talk to a law, uh, to the leader because if, if that leader gets in their pride and they get in their success and they got a few yes men that just keep blowing smoke up their skirts, you know, it, it, it gets very dangerous. And that's on, that's on a lot of different levels. Um, I think if you look at Bang Energy – this would be like the perfect case study of. This. I would love to see like a documentary series on Bang, like uh, you know, because like I mean, uh, uh, Jack Owak, like I mean, he he's he is 
he is a genius well, in he, many yeah. ways. Like he's a he's a genius. What he did was absolutely incredible. But the problem was hubris took over, and he couldn't he couldn't make sound decisions because of just this overwhelming pride that it basically eventually led to his downfall. You know, the tough part though, Doug, is and we talk about this a lot, is because I mean, when you're at the top, and I don't mean top as in like best in the game, maybe that is, but when you're the top of your organization, who do you talk to? You don't complain down because, you know, what do they really understand? They understand the business, but they still see where they are in life and in their paycheck and what's going on. And so you don't want them to think, oh, my gosh, the the leader's crumbling. You don't talk laterally because if you have ideas, will they take those ideas or will they use them against you? And then it's difficult to talk up because most of the ones that are ahead of you don't want to talk to you either. And they now have the resources to take your ideas and do them before you do. So so who do you talk to? Only at the top. Oh, it is. Heavy is the weight of the championship belt, as Ric Flair would say. <laughs> Woo! And so you've even caught me sometimes in the gym and like, you know, hey, man, what's going on with you? You know, Steph, and I picked up on the fact you don't, you know, you, you don't see him yourself. It's because I have these ideas that are stirring in my head, and I'm like, who do I talk these out with? Like, who? And you got to have that team. Otherwise, the hubris, you become almost like a mad scientist. You can make yourself believe anything. And that's why I fall back on liars figure, and figures never lie. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why I am so open with our team and what I share. I probably share way too much. You do. I share way too much, and I don't do that to, uh, I don't do that to stress them out or feel like, but I want them to. Uh, well, the selfish reason in there is one day I want them to make the decision, so I don't have to, right? Like a long-term exit strategy. I want them to understand the things that we have to decide from a major decision. But like, they need to see that it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows and that there's a lot of difficult decisions that go by that go that we have to go through um and i think it's important to 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 be transparent like obviously some things you don't need to share with everyone but the more that you can be open and the more that you can be comfortable be open i feel like it allows the team to be more honest in their communication because they respect that you're being honest with them yeah so and i think we're in a good spot now to where you can be yeah. Doing that, right? Like, because uh, we we have no yes men at that table, essentially. Right. Everyone well, tells me I'm an idiot most of the time. As we continue to grow, <laughs> like, we're going to have a lot more people around us and uh, yeah. newer people, maybe some outsiders, you know, maybe some people that have grown yeah. within. Um, but, like, it might not – that that openness might have to come over here, right? And well, it'll have here. to be more of, like, a, a board. Yeah. Like, we need to have – like, sometimes it's not just that table out there. We need to take those three people – Go into my office and have a board meeting. Sure, right? Because there's, you know, there's. Well, here, so, where are we at? I so wanna, we, we, have we have 52 minutes. Can we throw one more little th one thing in? Throw here? it. Throw in. one thing, and then so, I want to ask a question. So we've talked about this from a top tier. What about our What about our mid tier? Like, let's say, for instance, we're t we've just presented the five uh, five steps to why big companies fail. But what about that nutrition store manager? What about that kid that's the so the, the that's where I wanted the, to go. The manager at the pantry. You know, maybe uh, maybe they got a shift supervisor that they're listening to us, and and they're not aware of how they're standing there on a Sunday morning, opening up that shop or running that 
you know, they had nobody to come in because they can't find help. And pride starts building in them. And they're like, man, I only get paid $62,000 a year. I don't know, maybe $43,000 a year. I do so much. And the upper guys don't even care about me. And these guys that are making $15 an hour, they should be making $7 an hour, you know, when minimum wage was this because they truly are a low-budget minimum wage worker. And that hubris start working to where, you know, even if somebody else comes in and says, hey, I'll pay you $25 or you know, we've seen this with some of our guys, you know, another brand come after them and say, hey, we saw what you did. Why don't you come over here and we'll promise you, you know, the Garden of Eden. And it's not actually the truth. It's not right. the same thing. Nope. So Grass is always do, greener. How do we speak to that mid-level manager to not let this happen to them? Well, I mean, I don't think any of that, like you could view a lot of that through the lens of a middle, a middle manager. Well, I mean, so I'm, like, uh, so one thing that I, it's, so I, I'm kind of doing Sam, Samantha and I are kind of doing Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. So we're kind of in a uh, like a study of personal finance, right? And so I'm trying to relate a little bit beyond the entrepreneur, and that's where I wanted to guide this question a little bit to, back to you guys. It's like we have uh, a lot of people, different kinds of people that listen to this this podcast. You're going to have entrepreneurs that listen to podcasts. You're going to have um, our our staff listen to the podcast and people that are not in a leadership position or not in an entrepreneur entrepreneur position and how do they, what do they take away from this? Right. So like I can find for me, okay, so I make X, X amount of money a year. Okay. That's feeling pretty good. Right now I, I can go off and buy some things because I have some money. So now I get undisciplined because I might have a credit card and I might have the ability or I might get approved for a house that I probably shouldn't fully go for, but Hey, I got to prove for it because I do make this money. And so now they're, they're going to prove it. So that's step, step two, I'm becoming undisciplined in my, uh, my, uh, budgeting. Um, and then I'm denying the risks, you know, yep. because I'm, yep. I'm forgoing my, my disciplines or like, I'll, I will always have this job, you know, I, at least I'll have this job. Like right. the company's doing great. I, I shouldn't like my salary is only going to go up, but you don't know what's going to happen. Gra- stage four grasping for salvation. Well, I've just got myself in, a pretty big home debt, pretty big car debt. I got these other bills that are piled up. I'm just grasping for salvation. I make all this money, but I, in reality, I'm worth nothing because I do have all these debts that I have now piled up. And then your resignation to downfall, which is if you're continuing down this, denying it, then you're probably getting close to like bankruptcy. I think that's um, a great analogy. Yeah. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to like have people understand it, you know, from their day to day instead of like, Cause I don't, I don't operate the business that like you do, right? right. Like my rules, are, I, I'm a big part of it and I can, I'm a big part of the company. So I'm looking at it um, from our company standpoint. Yeah. Um, Anytime you look at your per, let's, uh, let's just say you're a couple, young couple like you guys are. I don't care. Maybe you've been married. I'm Angie and I are coming up on 20 years. Anytime you look at what's in that bank account and with pride, you say, I can do whatever I want to do with that. Cause it's my money. You're done for. If you don't have the humility to steward what's there, that's the word. Uh, you're done for. You could. It doesn't matter if if Jesus stood at the foot of your bed and wrote you a check for ten million. <laughs> that was good. Oh, you'd praise be, Jesus! You'd be broke <laughs> in six months because you had your hubris overwhelms you. The the men and the women that I've seen that have done well, um, extremely well for themselves, are the people that in humility said, no, not yet. It's not the right stage. And they waited until every all the variables were, were reasonable to say, yeah, 
this 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 works now. Well, I think that's you know from a business perspective, that is knowing when to um, take money out of the business or continue to putting it in so that everyone can succeed. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, that's one of the most difficult things about being an entrepreneur is that like the difference between paper and what is actually taken home is a lot different if you're in a growing organization, right? And so that is a struggle. And that not stewarding that money correctly, right? Like we make decisions. I make them on a win. I don't even think about them. But it is no problem for me to launch another. If I know the product line is going to be good and spend $100,000 and we're going to launch this new product or whatever, I'm. you don't even have to think twice about it, right? But to take $100,000 out of the business to go buy a boat or whatever, right? Like that is super stressful. And so I think it's having the right attitude in, in that line. It's like where, like in hopefully getting to a point where those decisions are easy and it just comes like that, right? Yeah. Like, you know where the money needs to be going. Yeah, right? and, and, and with that, you got to have a bigger, you got to have a bigger perspective. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta have, it, it just can't all be about me. It's, it's yeah. my pride yeah. has to be, put on the altar every morning and it is it's guerrilla warfare your pride pride exposes itself in two things hubris which is the moxie of like i made this y'all better bow down to me but it also reveals itself in insecurities yep. uh, to where you try to cover up i mean you, you, you i'm a student of people so like I, wa- I like to watch when people walk into a room what do they do some will pull at their clothes to cover up you know the <laughs> less mentionables uh, or others will kind of, or some will yeah, give the little, little rock <laughs> peck, pe- pop. peck pop, uh, you know, or, or some can just blend in because they're comfortable with who they are. And I always think that's pretty interesting to, but, but sometimes insecurities come out and it's the worst demonic hubris there is. And when you're with an insecure leader, you might as well find a new place to work because you can never, ever predict what that leader will do. Egos and insecurities, man, they they kill stuff. So, I mean, I love that word. And I think all these, so the word of humility, right? I think all of these stages can be avoided if you just practice humility on a daily basis, right? You can avoid stage one is just being, so from your success, I'm, I'm humble and it's, it's, it's not just me, right? Like it's a part of this entire team and, uh, you know, I, I show my humbleness and, and show humility by never just never get, you know, letting my ego grow, you know, yeah. from, from our success. So you, you can avoid all that with just that one word in my, in my opinion. That's a good cuck summary. It is. Wait, 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 well, let me in. wrap it up with this, this story. Okay. You guys Maybe we should just leave it as a cliff, leave it as a cliffhanger, and oh yeah, la- save it for. How the about ki- the small businesses fail? How the how the small business fails? Yeah, yeah let's do no. that. All right, till next time, guys. Well, next time we will go. No, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about next time, but <laughs> till next time, keep crushing it. Let's go.